Dale just got an update on his fantasy team. I hope y'all can hear me all right this morning. For the first time in my life, people have told me they can't hear me. Somebody even said, speak up. You going to turn me up, Mark? Y'all got children's church? Turn my volume up. For the first time in the whole in the whole remembrance, I'm having to be turned up and not down. Right. For those of you who haven't figured it out yet, we don't have any water. They've cut our water off. We didn't pay the bill. Tim's really tight, tightened down on this budget thing. <laughs> No, there's a leak out here somewhere, up and down the road somewhere, and they've cut it off trying to fix it. Hopefully, prayerfully, maybe it'll be back on. If not, we'll just swell up and right all together and at one time. <clears throat> Y'all bear with me this morning. Um, I've, I've avoided Sunday school. I've done everything I can do to try to get enough voice gathered up to get this two-hour message out. <laughs> So y'all bear with me as we, we struggle along. I ask you to not, don't, don't pay attention to my voice, just the message. It's, it's, it's all in the message. Um, I'm not looking for any kind of sympathy or anything. I don't feel bad. I, I just haven't got a voice. Um, I started preparing for not being up here about Thursday, I think it was, when I sent Kevin a message Thursday or Friday one and told him, I don't, you may want to be ready, and he may still have to be ready. We may get halfway through this thing and go, you know what, you're going to have to take it. And I have zero doubt whatsoever that if that happens, it'll go seamlessly. Um, but I'm going to do all I can to, to get this out this morning. So I just ask you to bear with me. The good news is I probably won't be very loud. So those of you that don't like it because I'm always loud, here's your day. This is your one day to like me. <clears throat> what it is is I'm kind of scared to put Kevin back up here this quick because I was Somebody said I made some comments last week, and I was afraid he might have an opportunity to, you know, but if it'll go a while, he'll forget, and I don't have to worry about that, but as it's been a little fresh on his mind. I don't want him to get back at me today. It's all real fresh, because some of y'all can't keep secrets. We didn't no more than get out of here. You ain't going to leave what Nick said about you. <laughs> I know how y'all are. <clears throat> Luke, chapter 9, and the, and the evidence, you know, they video all this stuff now, so... It ain't like I can lie. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 18. Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 18. Last week I spoke to you um, about how God views you and about your value and your hope being in who God is and nothing else. This week we're going to talk about how we view God or how we should view God. Luke chapter 9, verses 18 through 27. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say, Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. 
And he strictly charged and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his, himself? For whosoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and all the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father and our God, we do humbly come before you to say thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your house this morning. Father, I pray that you give me your voice this morning. Obviously, mine's not doing very well. And Father, I just I pray that you would that you would be seen through this message. Father, I'm not here for any kind of sympathy or nobody to feel sorry for me. I'm just here to deliver a message that I know that you've given me. And I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to your message. Father, I pray for your guidance and your direction throughout the remainder of our services. Allow us to see and feel your presence in all that's said and done. Father, we pray this morning uh, a specific prayer right now for little Jackson and, and Father, that family and, and the things that they've endured this week. And as they go home, Father, I just pray for um, your protection, your guidance, your direction for a continued healing on the, the little boy. Father, I just pray for you to watch over each one. God, guard, and direct us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> 66 years and never seeing color. You know, Kevin often gives us this description of the baby the first time you recognize that they're able to see. And I thought this was a great illustration of what it should look like the first time we see Christ. For who He truly is. For the first time we lay eyes on our Father and come to the realization of His righteousness and His holiness. It should, be feel, it should fill us with a joy that we can't contain. Did you see His reaction? He stood there just trembling with excitement and He would, he would lift the glasses or, or look over the, and look back through. The, and listen, if you've never had that, if you've never experienced that, if you've never seen God and it caused this reaction in you, I encourage you to really self-examine where you stand spiritually. Because your first encounter with Christ should cause something similar to this. But that shouldn't be the only time you ever react that way when you see Christ. See, last week we talked about how God views us. And the fact that that our value is solely based on God's love for us and nothing else. See, you can't understand what that really means until you understand who God really is, who Christ really is. Where we pick up in the Bible this morning, if you were to go in front of where we started, you would see that, that this is the time when Christ has sent out His disciples and they've went out <clears throat> spreading the gospel. And He told them, don't take nothing with you. Just go spread the gospel. And they've returned now and they're, 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 they're in a, he's in a time of prayer when, when they get back. And if you'll go, just flip back. I wasn't going to do this, but just flip back. 
Um, in, still in Luke chapter 9, and, and we'll go back to verse 1, where Jesus sends out His twelve apostles. <clears throat> and He called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And He said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, nor money, and do not have two, t two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Don't take anything with you. Now why would he send them out on such a thing and tell them don't take nothing with you? You just stay where you go and where you're not accepted, shake it off your feet and go to the next one. Why would he say that? Why would he send them out on such an important journey and say don't take anything with you? Don't even take two tunics. Because he's enough. Christ is enough. See, when we start to view Christ as enough, then we get to start to get this feeling every day when we wake up, just like this gentleman that hasn't seen color in 66 years, puts on a pair of glasses, and all of a sudden everything takes on a whole new meaning, right? Everything looks completely different when you have the understanding that Christ is enough. It doesn't take a, a, a certain song. It doesn't take a certain preacher. It doesn't take a message delivered in a certain voice. Christ is enough. He's all, he's all we'll ever need. He's more than enough. He sent these guys out to spread the gospel and told them, don't take nothing with you. Don't take no food. Don't worry about where you're going to stay. And you know what? He didn't promise them that it was all going to be okay, did he? He said, as a matter of fact, when you get to those places, when they don't accept you, shake it off your feet and go on about your business. If you go on down to, to, to verse 10 in chapter 9, you see that this is where Jesus feeds the 5,000, right? The crowds have gathered, huh? He was enough for 5,000, right? He was enough. They said, oh, but we can't feed them all. What do you want us to do? Go to town. I mean, we've got these five loaves and these two feet. What are we going to do with that? And he said, you just set them down and I'll feed them. And they start breaking the bread and it was enough. It was so much enough that they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. They didn't even start with 12 baskets. Everybody's fed and he ends with more than he started with. You know why? He's enough. Always. Over and over. Whether we're talking about what kind of work... Kevin's given us this, this great description of this worship service that takes, up, takes place in, in Revelation. By the way, in my opinion, the Revelation study has been one of the greatest things I've ever encountered. It has pushed me to study in a place I ain't studied in a long time. It's caused me to sit and, and, and contemplate some things I ain't thought about in a while. So I, I appreciate it. I've enjoyed it. I've thoroughly enjoyed that. But this worship service that, that takes place in heaven... I mean, it, it starts and it just builds and it builds and it builds and it builds. And I, and I sat listening to that message going, why have I missed this? Why have, I not, why have I not understood the importance of the worship service? And then I started studying this and I go, hey, dummy, you've missed a whole lot more than just that. You don't realize that Jesus really is enough. 
Who do you say that I am? When, when, it, when they all gather up and he goes, y'all, who, who do they say? Because if you'll keep reading right there in front of, you'll see where they get their answers from. They got their answers from when they were out spreading this gospel. They was on this mission, on this journey. And then you get to verse 18 and he says, Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, Who did the crowd say that I am? Well, their answers come directly from what people had told them. Some said John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say some other great prophet that is risen. But you know, Jesus really didn't care what everybody else said. That's not really the... I mean, it was just kind of like a conversation starter. Right? That ain't what he was after. He didn't really care about that. What he really wanted to know is what he asked next. And what he asked next was, so who do you say that I am? Because no matter what anybody else says about who Jesus is, what matters to Jesus is, is what you say He is. How do you view Christ? Do you see Him as enough? Is He a great prophet to you? Because listen to me. He's way more than a great prophet. He's way more than a great teacher. He's way more than just a Savior. And until we understand who Christ really, really is, and until you and I learn to see Christ for who He really, really is, there's no way we can convince the rest of the world who He is. And it's no way we can convince them that their hope can solely rest in Him until we see Him for who He is. Listen, we ought to be this kind of excited like this guy was in this video, unable to contain what's welling up inside of us every morning when we wake up and God allows us to open our eyes. Every day. Every day we should get out of that bed so thankful that we can barely mutter the words. So overcome with joy that God's given us yet another opportunity. Listen, the only reason I got up this morning and so many other people didn't is because of His grace and that's all. That's, that's it. It's not any, it's not, this can't be said enough. It ain't got nothing to do with who I am. It doesn't matter who you are. Quit using your past as a crutch for bad behavior. Quit using where you came from as a crutch for you to act like you ain't got good sense. Recognize who Christ is. Recognize who Christ is to you and begin to serve Him. Forget the rest of the garbage. Listen, Peter's response. Now, Peter appears to be the spokesperson for this group. Peter stands up and and his response is, the Christ of God. Now, that that tells us that, that Peter does have some understanding of who God is and who Christ is. He didn't respond with the, the, the great prophet or the great teacher or great friend or none of that stuff. He really responded with Christ, the promised Messiah. But I can assure you at this point, these disciples still did not have a full understanding of exactly what kind of Messiah Christ was because we're going to read the rest of this and see why I can tell you that. They knew, but they still had some to learn. They had an idea but they still didn't have a full understanding and I believe that's where you and I are today for the most part. We know for the most, we know some, we know a little, we know better than to say good prophet, but we still got a lot to learn. 
Because once we fully and wholly understand exactly who Christ is, then when we hear his name, it'll change us. It'll cause us to walk a little different. It'll cause us to see things. We will be overwhelmed with a joy that we can't contain when we fully understand who Christ really is. If you go back and you look in the book of John, if you'll just go to the back of your Bible and you'll look up the words, I am. And just go through the book and just pick the ones, the, the references from John and just read all the things that Jesus says, I am. And just, just meditate on those words. Just think about those words. I am the gate, right? I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth, right? There's so many things that Christ himself proclaims to be. And when he becomes all these things in our lives, then we can have a better understanding of who Christ really is. Then our hope will rest in one place and one place alone. And once our hope gets to that place, it cannot be robbed can't be taken away. See, our, our society is depleting. And it's depleting because our hope is in so many other things. It's so easy for you and I to lose our focus. Especially when it comes to spiritual matters. It's so easy to get sidetracked. There's so many things out there reaching for our attention. Some of us right now refuse, absolutely refuse to wear anything orange. <laughs> We're so easily sidetracked. All it takes is a couple of losses by our favorite football team and our whole world's rocked and turned upside down. I'm just thankful I'm a baseball fan. <laughs> Chop home, baby. <laughs> right? See how we're distracted so easily. We're so easily distracted. There's so many things that reach and grab for our attention that cause us to, to lose sight of who Christ really is. And before we know it, not only are we distracted, but our hope is in something besides Christ. Do you realize how many people this morning are really deflated? And I know some of us are a little heartbroken, but there are some people in this world today that are completely Defeated. I mean, they're going to do something stupid within the next 24 hours because Tennessee has lost two ball games to start their season. Their hope is in the wrong place. What impact does that have on me? Let me assure you, zero. None whatsoever. None. But we get distracted. There's so many other things that gets our attention. And once something else has our attention, that means Christ don't have it. And while something besides Christ has our attention, Christ starts to get smaller and smaller in our lives. When he's not the focal point, he's shrinking. So you have to work diligently to keep him as the focal point. So these other things don't draw you off track. Because trust me, your mind's already looking for something else. We're all, we're all, we're, I mean, it's just that way. It's just that little bit of ADD or whatever you want to call it that's in every one of us. So, my message today is to try to help you find a way to stay focused so that you can better understand who Christ really is. So I want you to go with me, drop down to um, 
verse 23. Not that the, not that the uh, um, Jesus talking to the disciples about what's going to happen to him isn't important. We're just going to skip over it for time's sake this morning. That, that's a great opportunity um, to understand better that these disciples didn't have a full understanding of exactly who Christ was because here's one of the mentions of him telling them exactly what's going to happen to him. And then you'll see later on in this story, they completely forget that evidently. So go with me to verse 23. And let's try to find the ways that you and I can keep our focus on Christ to better understand exactly who he is and see him for exactly who he is. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, the first thing he has to do is deny himself. There's one thing that each and every living being has in common. We're selfish. You're born that way. You're selfish. All you want is what you want, and you want it when you want it. That's our default setting. It's hardwired into every one of us. We're selfish. And most of the time when we find ourselves getting further from God, if we will really stop and examine, it's selfishness and pride that caused it. Selfishness got us there, and pride keeps us there. So you've got to learn how to deny yourself. Listen, this ain't going to be easy. Because you want what you want when you want it. Guess what? Me too. I want what I want when I want it. And, and our whole society is this way. And you can just look at things as simple as restaurants. You want to pull up to the, first, to the microphone, tell them what you want, go to the first window, give them your money, go to the second window, get your food. And if the whole process takes more than three to five minutes, you're irate. Because you want what you want when you want it. Right? We don't like standing in line. We don't like waiting on things. We want what we want. We want. That means you're selfish. I'm selfish. By nature, we're selfish. So we've got to break this nature of being selfish. We've got to learn how to deny self. Now, how on earth are you going to do that? Well, let me assure you, you're not just going to wake up tomorrow with a decision in your mind that I'm not going to be selfish today and it'll all be okay from now on. Because <laughs> it's a default setting that's hardwired into you. You're going to have to train yourself to deny yourself. One of the best ways I know of doing that, it's still a Baptist church. We ain't changed nothing. Fasting. Prayer and fasting. Telling self no. Many ways to do that. We've, we've taught on that for years around here. Kevin has done some of the most amazing teachings I've ever seen on the subject. Right here. You can go back and get those. You can look up fastings in our archives or however you do that or say that and you can find it. It's a practice that would be very important to every one of us. You've got to find a way to learn how to deny yourself and not let yourself be the most important thing in this world to you. Because as long as you're focused on self, you're not focused on Christ. He tells us right there, if you want to follow me, the first thing you've got to do is deny yourself. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to put other people in front of you. You've got to put other people's wants and needs in front of your own. It's not going to be easy. It's a very tough thing to do, much less master. But it's, it's the first step in seeing Christ for exactly who He is and keeping your focus 
on Christ. Deny yourself. Next. Deny himself and take up his cross daily. Take up his cross daily. Now, first of all, you've got to understand this is where context comes into play. Who's talking, what they're saying, when it's taking place. In this time period, Christ had not been on the cross, right? So the thing that people wore around their neck, the little gold chain you got when you look cross on, it didn't exist. No, this cross that Christ is talking about represents one thing. In this day and time, a cross was a tool of torment or torture, even death. So what Christ is saying here, not take, put on your Christian shirt and follow me, not put on your Christian bumper sticker on the back of your car and follow me. Now what Christ is saying right here, deny yourself, pick up your suffering, and follow me. You hear me? Pick up your suffering. This cross didn't represent then what it represents to us today. It was a tool of torment. A tool of torture. A tool of suffering. Christ is telling them, deny yourself, get ready to suffer, and come on. Anybody signing up? Huh? huh? It don't sound as exciting anymore, does it? See, this is the truth of the matter. So why on earth would Christ tell you to deny yourself, forget who you are, and grab up all the suffering in your life and come follow me. The same reason he would tell them to go spread this gospel and don't take nothing with you. You know why he would say that? Because he's enough. He's more than enough. If you don't have nothing else in this world but a relationship with Christ, you've got enough. But if I can't convince you of that, there's no way we can convince them of that and it's just going to keep going the way it's going. Right? That's where it's headed. And it's going to keep going that way until you and I, as followers of Christ, come to the realization that Christ ain't promised nobody no kind of glory in this life, in this world. There's no prosperity guaranteed. There's no bags of riches waiting on you when you come to this altar. There's no guarantee that but just because you pray with all the faith you've got that you're going to be healed. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes Christ don't need you full of riches. He needs you full of suffering because His goal is to bring all the glory He can to the Father. And when we realize that He's enough, then we can understand we don't need all this other stuff. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. It don't matter what you came from. Our hope's not in anything related to this world. The only way we get to that point is to have an understanding of who Christ really is and what He really means to us. Deny self, pick up your suffering, and number three, follow. Follow me. 
At this point, Christ becomes your example in every situation you face. You follow His example. You follow His teachings. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world says. It doesn't matter what kind of encouragement you're getting from 14 different directions. You go into every situation following Christ and knowing that He's enough. If I come out the other, thing, the other side of this thing, whatever this thing is, and I ain't got nothing left but my relationship with Christ, that's enough. And you really got to get your mind to a place where you can accept that as reality and not just words spoken. You've got to get yourself and your mindset to a place where you really truly believe that Christ is enough. A place where when you wake up in the mornings, you respond to everything you see the way the guy with the new glasses did. In awe. See, we've lost our awe of God. We're not in awe of God anymore. We're not in awe of Christ anymore. We've got to get to that place where we're in awe of God. Where we look at Him for who He truly is. Listen, look, just go outside and look around. And He tells us to use these things that we see as an example of who He is. They say, he said we can see His Godhead in the things that were created. I've been noticing over the last few days... Because although I've been sick, I haven't been at home. They, they put me in, in uh, go-everywhere mode all of a sudden. Matter of fact, I went to the doctor one day. I'll just share one story about this whole deal and I'll quit. Thursday, Friday, Thursday I went to the doctor. Friday I went to the doctor. Finally had enough and by Friday I went over to the doctor and I go in and they do their little thing and they look at everything. Oh, you just got a sinus infection, allergy, whatever it is. We're going to give you these two shots. Go home and rest. I said, okay, give me the two shots. I got to go put a motor in a skitter. <laughs> Sounds like light duty to me, <laughs> right? So as I've been traveling all over the place and running all over the country trying to get everything done this week, I've started noticing as I go down the road a few more leaves hitting the ground. Uh, me and Amanda a couple weeks ago kind of discussed the difference in the colors. Start not, not a drastic change yet. There's not the oranges and reds and it's not the big contrast, but you can start to see things are slowly dying. If you look out across the cornfields, by now the, the cornfields are all dead, but maybe some of the bean fields have a little mixture of, of life and death in them. And, and as you're going down the road, and, and if, especially if a little breeze hits, certain trees are starting to lose their, their leaves. You know, those events should stop us in our tracks. They're here as a reminder We have a Savior who died. And every fall as things start to die and it turns to winter and it's a dead season, it should put us in the mindset of that. That Christ died for us. See, none of this stuff is by happenstance. You think about how long this has all been going on and how many times some of these trees have been through these cycles of life and death, life and death, life and death. If you go out there this time of year, everything's looking pretty good, but it's starting to kind of look a little weathered and going down. And then if you go a few months later, it's all dead and barren. Then you can come back a few months later and you're starting to see little green sprouts and things poking through. Then you come back a few months later and it's all lively and, and full of fruit. And, and, you know, and it's just a cycle. It's a cycle that my Creator put into motion a few thousand years ago. And it's uninterrupted except for the times when he says for it to stand still. 
my goodness, that puts me in awe of God to think of that. I mean, Kevin gets up here and talks about this earth we're sitting on and how it spins and it's rotating around the sun and this is rotating around that and we're moving at this many miles an hour and it's this many light years and we can only see this and the great expanses and when you zoom all the way out, you can't even see us. I mean, we're just a little bitty speck. Yet my God, the one who has a desire for a relationship with me is the one that set all of that into motion and it's never messed up except when he says for it to stop. It goes until he says go. So where is our awe? Well, where did we lose our awe? Where did we lose our focus? Well, I can tell you where it went. We stopped denying self, right? You, you deserve it. You, you deserve better than this. You, you don't deserve Jack. Jack, right? You don't deserve nothing. What you deserve is the wrath of God. That's what you deserve. Right? So anything you get above that is by the grace of God. By the mercies of God. That should put me in awe of God. How do we lose our focus so easy? Because, well, we don't deny self. We ain't willing to give up self-control. Right? Or control of self, I should say. We want to be in total control. I want what I want when I want it. I want it now. We're not willing to take up our cross. The first time suffering starts, what we do? Stomp our feet, shake our fist at God, and go sit on the couch. It ain't worth it no more. And then finally, the example that Christ gave us to follow is tiresome. It's hurtful. Do you see how they treated him when he was here? And you know what he said? If they'll do this to, to the vine, if they'll do this to the green, just wait till you see what they do to you. So where did this prosperity come from everybody's talking about? Because I dig through this gospel and I don't see it. The things I see don't say that. The things I see don't guarantee me nothing in this life. But he tells me if I won't be transformed, if I won't be conformed to this life, but if I'll be transformed by the renewing of my mind, then I can be a living sacrifice, right? And then when we get to the end of this thing, I can stand in front of my Creator unashamed. There's your promise. There's your prosperity. But it ain't coming in this life. Ain't no guarantee. Now, does that mean that anybody that's got prosperity can't be a Christian? Ain't what I said. Ain't what I said at all. I'm telling you, it ain't no promise of it. I'm telling you that Christ is enough. And that should be our sole focus, is to deny self, embrace suffering, and follow His example. That's it. That's, that's the key to it all. Listen, God wants two things out of you. Obedience and dependence. He wants you to depend on Him for everything. And He wants you to be obedient to Him in everything. If you can master them two things, I promise you none of this other will be a problem for you. If you can learn to be dependent and obedient, just depend on God. Allow Christ to be enough. 
Whatever it is, whatever's going on, whatever it looks like, He's enough. Even when you get up and you go, God, I ain't even got a voice to speak this morning. And all in my mind, all I can hear is, you, you, you've been saying, it's a, you've wrote it down. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Christ is enough. Go prove it. Go walk it. Go show me that you believe it. Listen, when we go out of these walls, we've got to prove what we believe. People know what you believe based on how you live your life. And that's true over and over and over and over again. And it's true for you and it's true for me. You can go behind me and talk to the people that spend time with me and ask them about the things I believe. And they'll tell you, not based on my preaching that you hear here, that you are here to hear on Sunday mornings, but based on how I live my life. And I hope they match up. I pray that I live my life in a way that people go, well, I don't really understand exactly what he believes, but it ain't the same thing I believe because I can tell by the way he lives. That his faith ain't in a job. His faith ain't in a dollar or a ball team. He ain't waiting on God to deliver his winning lottery ticket. It's how you live your life that tells people what you really believe. Listen, deny self, that's not going to be easy. You're going to find, have to find some way to train you to not suit you. Because everything you do is based on what you desire, right? You drive the car you drive because that's the car you like, right? You live in a house you live in because that's the one you like, right? It's all based on you. So you've got to tell yourself and train yourself that it ain't about yourself. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. You've got to embrace suffering. You've got to expect suffering. It's coming. Don't look at this trial you're in like some unimaginable thing, has, some strange thing has happened to you. You're not special because of that. What makes you special is how you deal with it. If you really believe Christ is enough, it'll show as you go through it. It really will. And finally, follow Him. Follow His teachings. Follow His example. Follow Christ. Regardless of what the rest of the world says, regardless of their description, regardless of their excuses, regardless of their advice, you walk into every situation with the mindset of what example did Christ leave for this situation, this scenario, and walk through that. When you get through the other side and Christ is enough and people recognize that you went through that knowing that Christ is enough, lives are changed. Lives will change, not only yours, but those around you. I'm going to ask our worship team to come on up. I'm running out. It may be the shortest, quietest I've ever preached. <laughs> right, Ronnie? But I told God I had everything else covered. I had Sunday school covered. I had Awanas covered. I'm covered everywhere, but I really like to get in that pulpit. Because I'm afraid if Kevin gets up there, he's going to say something funny about me. and I didn't want to give him that chance. So I'm, I'm, I'm done.
I've done all I can do. I appreciate your patience. Now I ask you to really self-evaluate, to really look at self and respond however God has laid on your heart to respond, okay? Whatever that is.